Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look around the NFL with John McLean from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610. Here's your boy Q. And as we kick off hour number two, John McLean is our guest from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610. And John, I asked this question to start off the show today to Raider Nation, and I, I just want to get your thoughts. You've been covering the league for a long time. I looked at the wide receivers that Jimmy Garoppolo has played with, and none of them can hold a stick up to what Devontae Adams has been able to do in the league. And I know Debo Samuels and Brando, Brandon Ayuk are really good in San Francisco, but they're not on Devontae Adams' level. How much better do you think a, a, a really hot, a, a top-class wide receiver can make a quarterback in the league in general? Well, uh, we're talking about that here today. I said, well, doesn't the quarterback have something to do with it? You know, Adams has been fortunate to play with Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr. And Derek's thrown for a lot of yards. And even though he didn't win or hadn't won a playoff game, I mean, he's, he compiled a lot of yards. And Adams is a great receiver. And I'm sure as long as Jimmy Garoppolo's healthy, and it's a big if if he can stay healthy. But uh, Adams will be right up there among the leading receivers because there's no doubt that he's a premier receiver. No, there's, there is no doubt about that. And, you know, I, I think back to Houston when they had DeAndre Hopkins and how it didn't really matter as far as I was concerned who was throwing on the ball. He was always going to be really good and just help that Houston offense be that much more dangerous. Well, the one that that, that pertains to more is Andre Johnson. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins got to play with Deshaun Watson, the best quarterback that Andre Johnson played with was Matt Schott. That's right. And he played with David Carr, and he played, gosh, Ryan Mallett, Tony Banks. There was a Chase Keenum, a murderer's row of mediocre quarterbacks he played with. And, and uh, if a, you know, a great receiver has got to be able to get off the line of scrimmage. He's got to, to do what he's supposed to do, and the quarterback's got to know where he's going to be. And the quarterback has to have confidence in that receiver. That's like Aaron Rodgers and Adams. They could do things without even looking at each other. I remember back when the, the Houston Oilers had Warren Moon, Hall of Fame quarterback, and they played the run and shoot. They played four wide receivers. And they had a slot receiver named Drew Hill. And Warren Moon told me, he said, in clutch situations, I throw to Drew because I know where he's going to be where the other guys are putting moves on players. And I don't know which way they're going to turn. And uh, and so that, that confidence a quarterback has to have in a wide receiver, you know, it's paramount. And Garoppolo hasn't had anybody that he's played with who's even close to Devontae Adams. John McClain is our guest, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610 here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Some of these veterans that are out there right now, like the Zeke Elias, the Clownies, and Gawkways, guys like that, do you expect those guys to get signed closer to training camp or even potentially in training camp? And Dominican Sue was recently interviewed, and he said he hates training camp. <laughs> so he's learned through the years he's kind of become a mercenary, like Clowney. And those Clowney lives here works out here at this place, and he doesn't like to do training camp. He doesn't have to, or the off-season program. So, yes, those guys will sign. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe is an interesting guy. You know, he had, what, eight and a half socks last year, and you mm-hmm. think people would be all over him, and but he can't play the run. But if you're going to be in passing situations, why wouldn't somebody get him? I'm guessing 
that he's asking for too much money. When it comes down to June, it's a time of realism when players are about to go on vacation after the mini camps, and guys have to realize I'm not going to get $5 million. I'm going to have to play on a one-year make it, and I might get a little signing bonus. And once they can get they can get over their egos, they got a better chance. And so I'm sure Javion Clowney, who uh, I think he's 30, he'll play somewhere. Doc Way will play somewhere. Uh, there's a lot of bargains to be had. Zeke Elliott, you know, I don't know uh, what's going to happen to him. He'll sign with somebody. But he's a backup at this point. Now, he may get a chance when you get inside the five-yard line. And if a starter gets hurt and he gets a chance to play, he might still be productive, but he's not a great back anymore. And he's got to understand that. Talking all things NFL right now with John McClain from GalleriesSports.com and Sports Radio 610 here on Radio Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. Speaking of those veterans who maybe want to sit out and not go through training camp, the Raiders brought in Marcus Peters for a visit. He is 30. You know, he has had injuries before playing corner, you know, a position that you don't get better at with age. But do you think the Raiders should maybe look at signing him at that cornerback position? I'm not familiar with him, DeMond, like they would be. You know, he's bounced around, but he, and he is 30 years old. But it depends on how much money he wants and what role they have for him to play. Some guys at this time who are out, they may wait to see if somebody gets hurt in training camp before they play. But I think Peters has been around long enough. He can still make some plays, not on a consistent basis. But I think if you're looking for depth at that position, a smart guy who's been through the ringer, he'd be – He'd be a nice pickup as long as he didn't want too much money. When it comes to the the veterans, as you mentioned before, or those guys that maybe wait until June, waiting to see if someone gets hurt. We saw with Dominican too, waiting well into the season. Should it should teams even be looking at those guys once the season actually starts, or should they just try to proceed with the roster that they already have? Well, the mom that depends on if they get desperate because of injuries or poor play, and you know there are always injuries. If you've proven, like, say, Dominican Sue, he obviously takes care of himself. He used to not participate in off-season programs no matter where he was because he knew how to work out and keep himself in the kind of shape the teams wanted. At this point in his career, he's good against the run, and uh, he's been on winning teams. And if he doesn't price himself out of the market and somebody comes up that gets hurt at defensive tackle, people are definitely going to look at him because they know he's still got a little gas left in the tank, and they know that he will be in shape. When it comes to those veteran players signing on a team, obviously you would want to go to your best shot of winning with the contender, but what about those middling road teams? I know that you've covered a couple of those teams. Let's say with the Texans back in those mid-2000s. When it comes to bringing in those veterans, is, is are those flat-out conversations being had that you might not have that big of a role, but we want you here to just be a mentor? In your experience, how acceptable are players to having that mentor role where they maybe don't have the glory that they had in past days? <laughs> they love that mentor role if they get paid enough to be the mentor. Uh, it's all about as much money as they can get. And a lot of guys want to try to go with a contender. You know, if, you, if you're a veteran and you've got a chance to get with a playoff team, uh, you want to do that first. But if a playoff team is offering you a million and another team's offering you a million and a half, you're going to go uh, for the million and a half, try to get as much money as you can. I'm interested. There's so many players. It's fascinating 
who sign one-year contracts now. And they do it to either because they're trying to hang on and get as much money as they can, or they're betting on themselves that they'll be able to play well and get some bargaining power. Dalton Schultz, the tight end from the Cowboys, signed with the Texans, a one-year deal. And he was a franchise player. Mm-hmm. He'd been offered a long-term contract. He didn't take it. And then they didn't have the money to pay him. He came here. He's still young, 26 years old. He's open that he has a good season and somebody will pay him the kind of money he wants. Problem was there were so many tight ends in this draft. Why are you going to pay a veteran a lot of money when there was so much talent coming in that you're going to get on that rookie contract? John McClain is our guest, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610 here in Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, rookie minicamps just got wrapped up across the league, and I've I've seen and read that Bryce Young did really well. C.J. Stroud did really well. But what can you really take out of rookie minicamp at this stage of the game, John? Teams will never say this, but not a damn thing. Players are looking to figure out how to get to the stadium, where are they going to live, when are they going to eat, where are they going to eat? Where's the locker room? Where's the weight room? They're trying to, to it's kind of like orientation. Mm-hmm. Now, when OTA started, it'll be different. And I watched the Texans out there. And boy, C.J. Stroud looked great, just like in the combine in the pro days when nobody's rushing him. You know, Bryce Young looked great when nobody's rushing <laughs> him. And even though you can't put on pads in offseason, you know, what they want to know is, do you make mistakes? I'll never forget when Deshaun Watson, first day of his rookie minicamp, they thought when they drafted him because it was going to take him a while to adjust to the system they played in the NFL. Bill O'Brien, he would ran the offense, and he made it real complicated. After the first day of rookie minicamp, he comes up to me and said, off the record, I said, sure. He said, that's rookie quarterback. Man, he's a fast learner. He's going to be special, and I don't think it's going to take long for him to be special. It was his second game that we saw it. And I asked him later, how would you know that? He said, because we give them things to learn. And they come back the next day, and some of the guys, you can tell they weren't listening or they're not paying attention or they can't disseminate enough. They say he came back, Watson came back. And not only did he have all the answers, he asked all the right questions the next mm-hmm. day. So they're looking for the mental part. Now, if you've got some guy that comes in out of shape, they've got a guy here. He's not out of shape. He's in great shape. He's been his whole life in uh, Michigan and Pennsylvania, and he's talking about the heat. People are laughing at him because it ain't even hot yet. <laughs> and uh, So I love being down here where – you have so much humidity, and you guys, guys who played their old careers in the Pacific Northwest or on the West Coast, and they come in here, and they're sucking eggs for quite a while. When you come in, you better be in shape mentally, and man, oh, man, when they give you something, you better learn it. Because it's those position coaches that are paying attention, and if you want to move up, the best thing you can do is get it down mentally because you can't put on pads till training camp. John McClain is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. I wanted to ask you about Peacock and the fact that they got the, the wild card game, and it's the first time that it's, it's going to be exclusively streamed on that network. Is this where the NFL is going? Are we trending and going to start seeing this more and more, John? Uh, no, they can't do that because they're antitrust exemption. They can do it 
a lot, but you can't. You still got to have games on free TV, mm. which they do. But I think we're going to see more of this now. The Peacock Network, which of course is NBC, um, I'll bet you when now we don't know what that game's going to be. Right. Say that game is the Jets, and the Jets are playing the Forty Nine. I mean, not the Forty ers The Jets are playing some. To say the Jets are playing the Chiefs, that's not going to happen, of course. But say it was. Now, would people run out to want to see that and subscribe? NBC's banking on it. I would think the sports bars, because they have to get everything. Mm-hmm. I would think the sports bars, that's where I go. If it's a game that I want to see real bad, like I would that one, I'm headed to a sports bar. But I tell you, $110 million for one game, it's just unbelievable the way they print money. And uh, I think it's weird. NFL Network's laying off people, ESPN's laying mm-hmm. off people, and they're all making money. And um, I, I I, think we're going to definitely see more of this because you wonder, people wonder, well, why would NBC pay that kind of money? Well, they do it so they can promote their product. In 1994, when they went to Fox, people were like, why in the world would Fox want them, and why would they get in bed with Fox? Well, Rupert Murdoch wanted the NFL so he could promote all of his shows on NFL games. Every network wants a piece of the NFL pie because if you're selling something else, the best way to get it in front of the consumers is by getting it on the NFL. Something that you mentioned there when it comes to games moving exclusively to Peacock, what I countered with is could you see a day where the Super Bowl is pay-per-view? Oh, boy. Um, You know, originally the reason Al Davis left Oakland for Los Angeles, he thought they were going to pay-per-view. And there are so many more people in L.A. than Oakland. And the idea was the Raiders are playing the Chiefs and you got to pay $10. You know, how many millions of people would sign up? Mm -hmm. And then it never happened because the antitrust exemption that the NFL enjoys. But... uh, Bob, man, what would what is the limit to what people will pay? Right. And can you imagine if the Super Bowl costs money? There would be and people would be infuriated. But if you know they're talking about like I paid 120 million, say 120 million people paid uh, just ten dollars each, uh, or twenty or fifty. It's a hell of a lot cheaper going the game. That's just what the NFL needs more money because we all know they're going out of business because they're so poor. Right, exactly. They need all the money, John, because they don't they don't have enough of it. Well, uh, we'll see how everything goes. It's just interesting to see how they continue to get all these streaming services. Obviously, they got Amazon Prime on Thursday. Now they got Peacock for the wild card game. We'll see what else they come up with between now and then. But what are you working on, John? That we should be on the lookout for. I wanted to ask you guys right quick. I've got columns on uh, gallerysports.com, sportsradio610.com. If Tom Brady becomes a minor partner with Mark Davis, will Tom Brady sit in suites with other minor partners, or will he be sitting in Mark Davis's suite? I'm pretty sure he'll be in Mark Davis's suite. Yeah, I would. I would. If I had to bet money on it, I would definitely say that he'd be in Mark Davis's suite, no doubt about it. Especially since he's minority owner of the LV Aces as well. Oh, John, let me ask you a quick question: What would the over/under yeah. be for camera shots on Tom Brady <laughs> in the suite with Mark Davis? 
they'd have to say, uh, you know, there is a game going on. Can we see some of the game, please? Especially if Brady had a date like Kim Kardashian. Yeah, that, uh, see that see that conversation going around uh, Twitter as well. I've seen uh, a lot of that. She's trying to buy a home in his neighborhood. Watch out now. John, fantastic stuff. We appreciate you, brother. Hugh and Demon, thank you guys very much as always. All right, there he goes. The general, John McClain, right there, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610 in Houston, does a great job. You can find him on Twitter, at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. 316 is the time. We'll come back. How much better do you believe Devontae Adams could help Jimmy G be this upcoming season with the Silver and Black? It's Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up in less than 10 minutes, excited about the conversation we'll have with Mirren Fader from The Ringer. Going to talk about her piece that she put out on Devontae Adams. So funny, I was just telling Damon in the commercial break, talking about every headline right now in Twitter, everywhere on internet. Devontae Adams says he doesn't see eye-to-eye with the Raiders on vision for offense. And so it's like that's the whole hang-up, the whole part of the article, and it's not. Like that's a small portion of it. But it's so much more detailed. And that's why I keep encouraging everyone just to read it for themselves and not just look at the cliff notes. Sometimes you could look at the cliff notes and get away with it. I'll be the first to tell you that. <laughs> I've done interviews where I've looked at the cliff notes and got away with it. I don't like to do that. I think that that's disrespectful to the audience and to the, the person who, who writes the piece. But sometimes you get put in a position and all of a sudden it pops up and that's what happens. I don't, like I said, don't like to do that. But in this case... Don't just look at the cliff notes because the whole piece that she does is so great from the top to the bottom where it's, first of all, talks about why it was so important for him to be on the, you know, first team, all pro. Like that, it, it's, it, it goes in order, right? It's, it's an order of operations. And if you don't read the beginning and you just settle for the middle piece, you're going to come away with the wrong thing and the, and the wrong narrative, in my opinion, and that's why it's so important, I think, to read the whole thing, Devon. Also, when you go back to all the headlines that you see, is, hey, Devontae said this about the offense. Right. Or if you just click on the um, on the link, the ringer is free, so you don't have to worry about a right. paywall. If you just click to say, I'm just going to scroll until I find that piece that I see everybody on Twitter talking about, right. you're missing you're missing the point you're missing of the article. You're missing a story. I mean, that's the thing. It's such a good story and so well written. And that's, that's the thing about it, and that's the work that she does, and she's done – uh, fantastic work. Again, I mean, she's a, a best-selling author in New York, right? I mean, wrote a great piece on Giannis, a book on Giannis mm-hmm. that wasn't even intended to be on Giannis to begin with. It was supposed to be on his brother. And it just happened to work into the point where it ends up being about Giannis and it becomes a New York's bestseller. So, you know, when we have certain people on that really do great pen work like she does, it's like, one, it's, it, it's great to get her on. She's not going to tell the whole story. I'm not, I'm not going to tell her to tell the whole story on the air because I definitely want you to go back and read it. But she'll be able to tell you and explain tone. She'll be able to explain, you know, kind of what was meant by this, that, and the other. And, and that's what makes me excited about this conversation and why I think it's going to be such a, a really good one. It, it's funny. There's so many outlets right now. Like, I, I'm, and I respect a lot of these outlets, but like pro football, uh, not focus, but pro football like network. Uh, we've had a couple of their their writers on the show. I mean, they got a piece out on, on Twitter right now. He hasn't demanded a trade yet, but and it's like, wait, what? Like you in that content? Like machine. you're missing? Yeah, you're missing the big the big point. And all Raider Nation season, and this is not their fault. 
All Raider Nation sees is, oh, he hasn't demanded a trade yet. Oh, wait, Devontae Adams isn't happy. Oh, man, I, I, I couldn't tell you how many DMs I got. Devontae, like, oh, my God, are the Raiders going to have to trade Devontae? He's upset. He's not happy. And I was like, man, just listen at 3.30. Yeah. <laughs> just listen at 3.30. That's all I could tell him. Because also, with another point that I saw, you know, on Twitter a little bit, are, are people basically saying he just wanted to get away from Aaron Rodgers so bad. Where if you read the article, you can see it in his words and what he actually means. It wasn't he he didn't want to go to the Raiders just to show everybody, look at the, I'm doing it without Aaron Rodgers. But that's a that's a real way to just boil it down into one sentence, you know, and you're not actually extrapolating the whole truth there. It's just see, he just wanted to get away from Aaron Rodgers. Right. And the thing about it is I thought that that was a great part of the article as well, because it does show his desire. And really, this is a credit to Devontae. It shows his desire to show who he is without a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? And, and not saying that that was the motivation for him to go to the Raiders as well. I won't be with the Hall of Famer. But, hey, by the way, I'm doing some great things, and the guy who's getting credit for is number 12. But why I give him so much credit, how much did we hear about it? Ooh, no. Never. None. Never heard about it. How many times do we hear – Oh, I want this to be my team. I want this to be my team. Well, he gets too much credit. I don't get enough. You guys are sleeping on me. You know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying with the Raiders. I'm just saying in general in sports. As much as we cover sports, we always hear about the athlete who's mad because he's not getting the shine enough, or he's, you know, this guy's getting too much shine, and this, that, and the other. And instead, Devontae wasn't getting the shine. He wasn't getting the credit. Like, hey, man, this guy's out there making great plays, one-handed catches. I mean, you saw what he did last year. He was phenomenal, right? Catches he made, I was like, oh, my God, how did he do that, right? And I, I, there was moments when I was sitting in the press box and he'd make a big play, and I wish I was at home so I could just be like, <laughs> oh, my. You know what I mean? Like the, 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 just the sports fan in me wanted me you know, to get excited, but you're in the press box, so you can't do that. But all the times he wasn't getting those props because Aaron Rodgers was the, the, the big bro. You know, he was the guy that, that all, all conversation goes to him. You never heard a word. You never heard a peep out of Devontae about it. And then you hear that juxtaposition when Jared Stidham is the quarterback. Like, the catches that he was making in that 49ers game right. were, it is like you said, Aaron Rodgers makes that same throw against the 49ers, right. and it's, hey, man, Aaron Rodgers, one of the best to ever do it. Exactly. He makes that catch with Jared Stidham as the quarterback. It's Devontae Adams, maybe one of the best receivers of his generation. Buck- it's just that difference. Buckle up. Mirren Fader from The Ringer. She's up next. Talking all things Devontae Adams. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Devontae Adams slot right. Matt Collins there as well. First and 10 on the Broncos, 35. Carr, play action again. Looking downfield. Lofts it near corner. Adams wide open at the five. He walks in, and the Raiders walk off with a win. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. One of the many highlights that Devontae Adams and the Raiders provided in 2022. That was the big walk-off victory against the Denver Broncos in Denver. Uh, Carter Adams, big-time play right there. Again, one of the many that you saw from Devontae Adams in his first season with the Silver and Black. Joining us now on the phone lines from the ringer, very excited about our next guest, Mirren Fader. And Mirren, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you. And one, I appreciate all your work you do. You put out a a great book on Giannis, and uh, you just do a lot of great work for the, the ringer, and we appreciate that. But 
Your piece today caught Raider Nation's eye, as I'm sure you know, you're very well aware of. Devontae Adams and the race against time, a trade to Las Vegas last year, gave the all-pro receiver the fresh start and individual validation he needed. Now he's 30 and trying to chase a championship without the only quarterbacks he's ever known. And a lot of the headlines right now, as you're probably scrolling through Twitter, you're seeing Devontae Adams and the Raiders aren't on the same page offensively. But, Mirren, your piece is way deeper than just that. Well, thanks for recognizing that. <laughs> and thanks for the kind words. Yeah, I'm like, did people actually read the piece? Um, unclear. Um, so I really appreciate that because I think he's such a thoughtful person. Um, and he's just at a really interesting time in his life. So I, I, I really wanted this feature to give people a sense of what he's thinking, what he's going through. Yeah, and it does. I mean, again, I read it about three times. I've told everyone to go and make sure they read it. Don't look at the cliff notes because they won't be able to digest the whole thing. But let's just start at the top at the beginning with the first team all pro and how that was so important to him. Not to not because he's, you know, to prove that he's a really good wide receiver, but to prove to himself that he is that first team all pro with Aaron Rodgers or without Aaron Rodgers. How, how big was that when you were talking to Devontae about that, that little element of the story? It was huge, and, you know, it really surprised me as somebody like that's profiled Devontae twice now um, over the last five years is that he is not really one for validation and awards. Like, he genuinely does not care about that. He always says, if you know me, I'm the if you, if you know, you know type of guy. Like, I don't need other people to know. But in this particular instance, it really mattered. And, you know, he really respects Aaron Rodgers. I want to make that clear. That's very clear in the piece. But mm-hmm. When he was in Green Bay, you know, it just felt like a lot of times people wouldn't give him his own due for being talented in his own right. It wasn't just about who was throwing to him. So for him, this last season, putting together the season that he did, it was like, hey, these narratives, they're wrong. Nobody can say that ever again. Right. And the thing about it is, even though he may have had those feelings of, hey, I'm not getting this validation in Green Bay, and again, not throwing any shade at Aaron Rodgers because he respects the hell out of him, how mature did he show to be by not – we never heard about it. We never heard that a little bit of that may have bothered him and that he wanted to go out and prove it until he went out and proved it this past season. It's such a great point, and it's one that I thought about a lot because he could have easily done it so many times, and he just never did. You didn't see it in interviews. You didn't see it on social media. He's just a team-first guy. He's very soft-spoken internally in the sense of, like, there's inner confidence there. I don't need to badmouth anyone. Like, I'm just going to go about my work. He's always gone about his work, and I just felt like it was so mature for him to say, you know what, hey, this frustrates me, but I'm also not about to do that. I'm here for the team. And so I, I sort of took his comments for this profile as it doesn't cancel that out at all. It's more just like, you know what, I have distance, I have perspective, and now I, I want to speak on it. You know, and the thing about it is I asked him when he, he signed with the Raiders, I said, how much have you grown as a man from the time that you were in East Palo Alto, going to Fresno State, Green Bay, and now you're here in Las Vegas? And he said a lot. But, Miran, as I read through your piece, it feels like he's grown up tremendously like more than I could ever imagine how much maturity have you just you seen in the different profiles you've done with Devontae and just the conversation that you had for this profile it's so much and I think part of that of course is not just getting married but having kids you know the biggest thing with kids is just life is bigger than football yes it matters 
more than so much. It is so important. You give your all to it. But it's like, at the end of the day, his priorities are family first, and that has created such a mature person. I think because of his early struggles in Green Bay, he learned really, really tough lessons early. He learned to rely on his own voice rather than what other people were saying about him. And the more I got to know him over the last couple of years, seeing that growth firsthand, you just see somebody completely coming into their own in terms of realizing that the only opinion that matters is your own. And when you have that type of mentality and you really know who you are and you have true self-confidence, like he talked about in this piece, the kind that comes from within and, and not without, that's when you start to um, view life differently. And I think that the fact that he is having this type of success at this age, continued sustained success, has so much to do with the maturity piece. Miriam Fader is our guest here from The Ringer on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness, she has a piece out about Devontae Adams and the race against time. And, you know, I know that, as you mentioned, and he mentioned that he'll never worry about first-team All-Pro again, but he's done it three times in a row. How, how important and how much do you think it might drive him to try to get to that five or six number so he can eclipse the great Jerry Rice? Oh, I mean, he he didn't reference Jerry in particular, but he wants it. He was like, of course, I want to keep stacking them up. You mm-hmm. know, as if yeah. it's a mere stacking them up, like, no big deal. I'm just going to keep getting them. <laughs> but that's him. He's at that level. So I, I definitely know it's important, but it's not like he's, like, checking his stats and, oh, right. you know, I need to do this to get that. That's not him at all. Right. No doubt about it. Again, Miran Fader is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Demond's got one for you. You mentioned Devontae and him maturing, but also one of the things that he mentioned in the introductory press conference when he came to the Vegas Raiders was, hey, how important it's going to be to be back on the West Coast. His grandmother had never seen him play a game. So how much has that quality of life improved for him since he has been out here on the West Coast? It's huge, and it's a major reason why, despite all the team's struggles, he's still not regretting coming here because the quality of life matters so much. You know, for him, somebody who's obsessed with golf, if there's a tough loss, he can go out and play and not have to worry about the cold after a game. Just, you know, having a place where his family and and his mom, Pam, can come. And, you know, when she was there, when I was there that night, she was cooking while this was happening. And Devontae was just so excited because he loves her food. And so just even that alone, the joy that comes from your mom being able to take a quick flight be their home-cooked meal. She had amazing chicken and rice that night. Like, those are the things that really matter. And so I think we we really need to understand, as Devontae said himself, this wasn't like I just wanted to go get the biggest bag and chase this money. Like, family and quality of life were huge. You mentioned golf there, and that's great because I that was one of the parts of the piece that really stuck out to me. I remember schoolboy Q, he was mentioning how golf is just, it provides so much clarity for him. So with Devontae in golf, how do you think that helps him look at football as a game? You have to learn patience. It is a game of the mind, and patience is something that Devontae um, is really grappling with right now because on the one hand, like you spoke of the maturity but on the other hand it's hard you want to be great and you want to win and so when he's playing golf it's sort of it it makes you focus and be patient and calmer and and learn how to strategize and all of those things but as you can see even in this game of patience um he's taking score he's doing all these things when the local pros are like i'm just here to you know have a good time (laughs) Devontae is competing um so i think he cannot lose that and i think that's one of his best attributes I also think golf is such a refuge. Um, it is truly a place of joy for him, and it's, it's really cool that he has that time away to be able to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to devote my energy to this as well. It, it can only help him.
Mirren Fader is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Patience, urgency, ambition, and time. All four of those words were heavily used in this piece. Why are those four words so important to Devontae Adams? Because I think right now in this time, you know, every profile is a snapshot of a person in time, whether they're a famous athlete or not. And I think for him, those are the things that he is grappling with right now. You want so much. You want to win. You want to be great. You want to sustain this this resume that you've built. At the same time, you realize, hey, you're going into your 10th year, you're 30. The roster, the things that are happening with the team are not exactly as the way that you want them to be. You want a winning record, all of these things. And so how do you take your ambition and all the things that you want and at the same time be patient as they're not happening and yet still drive forward every single day with a sense of urgency. So I kind of, I use the word harmonize in the piece because I think they go hand in hand. They motivate him. um, They drive him. They frustrate him. All of these things are the things that he's grappling with. And I think they're very human elements. I think all of us probably deal with those same exact things in our own lives. He just has to do it in front of everybody else. And then when you mentioned the word grappling with that term, also something that stood out to me is like being 30, where it was him and Tyreek Hill, they were the old guys when it came to being all pro at receiver last year. And to us in our daily jobs, hey, being 30, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But for him, when he does have that, he has to have that patience with a team that is struggling. How much of his age is factoring into that newfound clarity that he has of having that patience, even though the team is struggling a little bit? I mean, it's definitely, definitely given him that sense of um, maturity and wisdom to know that, yes, while I really, really, really want these things and I'm working towards them, I also need to let go and let it happen. I think that was one of the the clearest things that I saw in the interview was that there is this um, very wise older person in the best way that just says, you know what, as frustrating as it is, there's certain things you just have to let go and let it happen. You can try your best, but at the end of the day, you can only control what you can control. And we all know that is something that only comes with age. It's very hard if you're a rookie, if you're a second year, third year, you want success immediately. And I think, like I mentioned, his struggles early on in Green Bay, I I do think a part of him really learned a lot about how to deal with um, patience and struggle and being resilient. And so I think at this stage, it makes sense that he would be more introspective, um, 30 is a really interesting age, especially for his position, the explosiveness you need to have. And obviously he's shown no sign absolutely whatsoever of slowing down, but I think it's far more interesting to think about Devontae intellectually where he is at in terms of his mind and not just his you know, physical play. When it comes to the joy of football, there was also mention of the camp that he had just right around the corner from our station, actually, at Spring Valley High School. And he was not only being out there, it's his camp, but also participating with the kids and being just having the most fun out there. How much fun is Devontae, ha- Devontae having with football in this stage in his career? So much fun. And I think that camp in particular it was such a fun moment because it's almost, I was thinking a lot about time, and I was thinking a lot about the passage of time and how quickly it goes away. And there was this one little kid who came up to him, and he was like, I'm going to be on the Raiders like you one day, you know? And I just, I think, wow, how, how it just goes like that. You know, a minute ago, obviously a lot longer than that, he was one of those kids wanting to be somebody and make it somewhere. And so I just think it was such a beautiful scene of his joy spilling out and, um, you know, retaining that childhood sense of wonder and excitement with this game, no matter how frustrating it is. 
And that's kind of what I meant by perspective and maturity is that, yes, you can be frustrated. You can have concerns. You can be going through it. But he's in a really good place. Like he is, I don't want to say at peace because he is very much striving towards wanting to win and turn this organization around. And he's committed to that. But at the same time, there is this sense of, letting go. Like I can only control what I can control and I still love this game and I'm going to accept what is and realize that I've got my family. I've got all of these other things in place that allow me to see that, you know, perspective. I can still have joy while also being real about how I'm feeling. You know, that's exactly the words he gave to us following the season. The, The last time we were in the locker room with him, he said those exact things, how much he loves to go home to his family, and they don't care about Devontae Adams, number 17. They care about Devontae Adams' dad, Devontae Adams' husband, right? That's that's what uh, really matters. And so you're, you're saying, echoing the same words that he did uh, in the locker room. Again, Mirren Fader from The Ringer is our guest here, talking all things Devontae Adams and the race against time. So as I started this whole thing off, uh, the, the big headline that everyone reads is that Devontae Adams doesn't see eye to eye with the Silver and Black or the Raiders and their, their offensive scheme. So when he talks to you about that, and obviously there's no saying that he doesn't want to be a Raider, but he just, you know, there's, there's conversations that they're having and some don't agree at the same conversations. But ultimately to you when he said that, what did it ultimately mean? Well, first I think we should talk about tone because mm-hmm. we're having this conversation. We're just talking. Like it's not, it's not Devontae sounds off. Right. Devontae's upset. Devontae's unhappy. Devontae wants out. Devontae wants to drink. I don't know how many things I read today. I was like, are we reading the same article? <laughs> right. Um, so <laughs> I just want to be clear that this, this is not a tone of like upset or wanting. In fact, he's like defiantly doubling down, you know, I'm committed. I want to change this organization. I am here. Um, so I think first off, just want to say like the tone of the piece was very much, like I said, somebody in a good place, but of course naturally has concerns and wants to build on them. So it's that second part of the sentence that people really miss. Mm-hmm. I have concerns and I'm committed and want to change this around, you know, and, and help build. So, but at the same time, yeah, of course, like, like we talked about, he doesn't have all the time in the world. So a rebuild is something that, as you said, it's it's not aligned with the schedule of where he is in his career, but that doesn't mean that he's not committed. So just want to affirm that and also that basically he also said really good things about Jimmy saying he's a really cool dude. So there are just parts that I feel like were not even um, discussed in all the aggregation. No, you're right. It's, it's Again, it's reading the cliff notes. It's looking at the, the headlines just to get clicks by other people, not you, but others out there trying to you know just get clicks and, and get everyone riled up, and it worked. Right, Raider Nation got riled up, but that's why I wanted you to, you know, you had the conversation. I didn't, so I wanted you to pass that along so Raider Nation knows, okay, Hugh's not trying to blow something up my backside. He's, he's you know, just trying to pass the message along, and that's why I'm so grateful for you to give us some time uh, this afternoon to talk about this piece. And so I thought that something that was so interesting was the fact that, you know, he wants to take that leadership role, be that guy, you know, be the face of the franchise where the Raiders have been the face of the franchise by Derek Carr and John Gruden. And now all of a sudden it's, hey, Devontae Adams. And like you said, help turn this organization around. If he can do that, how much pride he would take in that. I mean, just how important is that for him to get it turned around here with the Raiders? I mean, it's huge. And it's like he said, like, I didn't come here to be cute with Derek. Like, I really want to win. I really want to change this organization. And 
leadership is such an interesting thing because all his career, obviously, he's been like a lead by example type of person. So he's always going to show up and he's always going to be that example. But I think now at this stage, when you're the face of the franchise, I think he realizes that, you know, it, it requires more than than example. And I think looking back, a part that didn't make the piece, he was saying that, like, early on, you know, he noticed, like, just some work ethic things, and, you know, he wishes he would have spoken up a little sooner, but, you know, he's coming into a new team, so he didn't want to step on toes, so it took him a little bit to find sort of that voice and knowing, you know, hey, when to step in, um, how to be that leader. It's It's a new dance with every team. You're getting used to them, they're getting used to you, and so I think you know, in some ways, some of the growing pains were really good because you learn exactly how to be what your team needs of you. And um, nobody can be harder on him than him. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about leadership and we talk about responsibility and wanting to change this organization around, if he doesn't do something that he feels um, is up to his standard, like he will be the first person to say that. So I, I just think accountability is key not like he like i said it's not like Devonte sounds off and right. they need to be better it's it's first and foremost how can i be better right. how can i be a leader and how can i help turn this around i always say that you always want people that are playing for you or working with you or side by side that hate losing more than they love to win right and and Devonte not looking at his 1,500-plus yards, not looking at his 14 touchdowns or his 100 catches. He's looking at the seven drops, and that bothers him more than all his accomplishments. Like, the seven drops are like, wait, that can't happen. i got to be better. And even the conversation you had with his mom when he's playing dominoes and says, wait, I messed up right there, and I can't do that. i got to be better. And she's like, nobody noticed. He's like, I noticed. Like, that to me is the ultimate level of accountability there. Yeah, and, you know, another part that didn't make the piece was he was talking about this, and he was saying that he was his hardest critic, and he was like, look, I'm not full of myself. I want to be coached. I want them to say, hey, you did something wrong. So, you know, I think for him, he's used to, of course, um, a lot of people praising him because he's so magnificent on the field, but he's not too big time, not too old, not too accomplished to have somebody say, hey, you should have been better on this. You should have been better on that. So, I actually found the stuff about his mentality, his humility, his thoughtfulness, um, his perfectionism, because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I actually found that to be the most interesting part of the piece to me. Because something that you mentioned, that perfectionism that Devontae has, he said it frightens him to not be mentioned as one of the best receivers in the league. So how much more does not only does he want to achieve in the league, but how much longer does he think, because you know the tone that he was talking with, how much longer does he think he can be mentioned as one of the best receivers in the league? Well, he definitely was quick to be like, it's not going to happen anytime soon. You know, <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> the younger receiver. <laughs> I was just like, okay, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. No, <laughs> it's not going to happen tomorrow. Okay. No, no suggestion, anything otherwise. I wouldn't doubt you for a second, you know, but I think it was, it was him like real quick, just, just so you know. Um, but he brought it up so many times in the interview, which is why time ended up being the central focus because he said, he mentioned the phrase father time and that, that quote didn't make the piece, but he was like, again, I'm closer to the end than I am at the beginning. So there is a real awareness of it. It's not, I would not say it's something he worries about. I think frightens is a good word because, you know, so many elite athletes, people that perform at the level that he does, it's not always, you know, purely winning or doing well. Sometimes, 
the fear of something. Fear is a great motivator. So I actually think that was a really interesting part and a way into his psyche about how he's thinking about things. But it's like I said, it's not a worry. He is at his most confident. You know, I said to him at the beginning, um, the first profile I did on you, you really were just sort of like coming into your own in Green Bay and breaking out and becoming the person you thought you knew yourself to be. And it was proving people wrong. Second one was like, all right, I'm older. I'm a dad now. Okay, I'm in this, this different place. So what is this third stage that you're in? And he used the word confident and comfortable. Um, and he mentioned his family. So I just think confident and comfortable. Again, we talk about tone. That's that's the mode that he's in. He's allowed to be confident, comfortable, and at the same time, talk about fear. At the same time, talk about concerns. They don't cancel each other out. No, they don't. And, Miriam, this has been fantastic. We'll close out with this. As much as this piece is about a football player and we're talking about performing on the field and, you know, getting the organization turned around and winning and doing it for his hometown favorite team and this, that, and the other, I also feel like every single one of us could take this and read it and take it as a life lesson. And, really, that could be the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from this whole piece. Would you agree with that? 100%. I mean, I've was learned a lot from him. I mean, I live and die with every story and it's like, you know, that's not right. Monte, <laughs> like he, he goes through struggles in front of millions. They lose games. Okay. He, as he said to his friend, Nick Robinson, it's only up from here. Mm-hmm. We can all learn from that mentality. That was after that Saints game. After what, three catches and about seven yards or whatever the case was. That was I remember I remember that one. <laughs> so talk about maturity. Talk right. About maturity. You right. Know? So it, that that's what I mean. It's like perspective. Um so I think yeah, Devante is a fascinating human being, person. Just extremely thoughtful. I, I learned a lot from listening to him. Well, I'll tell you what. I learned a lot from reading your piece. I thought it was fantastic on The Ringer. Again, Devontae Adams and the Race Against Time. I've encouraged everyone that will listen to go check it out and read it. Don't read the cliff notes. Do yourself a favor and read the whole thing. Uh, it's, hard, it's hard for me. I always tell people or I always ask people, what are you working on next? But after that, I, it's almost a shame that I ask you, but what are you working <laughs> on next that we should be on the lookout for? Well, I'm working on my second book. It's a biography of Hakeem Olajuwon um, coming out in 2024. So definitely keep your eye on that. So I'm excited. Yeah, as you should be. And again, I I want to give you a lot of credit. I know we spent this whole time talking about Devontae Adams, but the the book that you wrote on Giannis, and I know that it wasn't even meant to be on Giannis to begin with, but it turned into that, uh, was fantastic. (laughs) And you do some great work. And so I I really do appreciate you. And I, I so much thank you for your time. Oh, thank you so much. This was really fun. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Mirren Fader right there from The Ringer. Fantastic work. You can find her on Twitter, at Mirren Fader. It's that simple. M-I-R-I-N Fader, F-A-D-E-R. Even shout her out. Just say, hey, thanks for giving the fellas a couple minutes this afternoon to talk all things Devontae Adams. That's the least you could do. Fantastic work right there. And, again, I encourage you to read it. Don't look at PFF. Don't look at PFN. Don't look at blog.com. Don't look at this, that, and the other headline because as you heard the author of the piece say, Tone has been missed by everybody. She read so much stuff, and she's like, what are they talking about? Did they even read it? When the author <laughs> wonders if you even read the piece, what does that tell you? Or, or did you, or we, are you reading the same thing that I wrote? Right. Exactly. Like, she's probably sitting back thinking, how in the hell did this wildfire happen when it was, was really a, a complimentary piece? And again, I mean, you're free to interpret it any way you want to. But you just heard it from the horse's mouth. Yeah, if here, you didn't, you, you missed some of it, lvsportsnetwork.com. You can check it out in a little bit. Here's Twitter in a nutshell. Here's something, an expert. 
an excerpt from the piece here. Some people get scared of being the best, he says. Some people could read that and be like, oh, so he don't want to be the best. <laughs> See? Right. Yeah, come on, guys. Just read. I mean, again, PackersFans.com. All, I mean, all these different websites. I'm seeing the Giants.com. All these different whatevers are all up in arms and thinking, oh, Devontae is going to ask for a trade. Like I said, Pro Football Network. I respect the hell out of those guys. I know a bunch of guys that work over there. Oh, he hasn't asked for a trade yet. What? Where did that even come from? Where did that come from? Click the link to find out more. <laughs> right. And then it's behind a paywall when the article is free. So check it out. Please check it out on The Ringer. Uh, Sir Whiskey Ray just hit us up. Airways, speaking for all of Raider Nation, thank you for having uh, Mirren on uh, this afternoon. Excellent insight, and please have her back again soon. Thanks, gentlemen. Cheers, Sir Whiskey Ray. And I couldn't thank her enough. I really couldn't. Like, there's guests that we have on, like John McClain. I appreciate him every single week. But that was such detailed and so much insight from someone who wrote a fantastic piece. And we definitely appreciate her for her time. 3.55 is the time. Coming up next, we'll switch our attention, kick off hour number three of the show just like that. Talk a little Lakers and the Nuggets. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.